Gracious, wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've laid your hand upon Jonathan. We thank you that you've put in his heart a love for you, a love for your word, a love for his family, a love for his church, and a love for what he does. And we thank you for the power that is rested upon him, the peace that is rested upon him. Thank you for his preparation and his, his seeking your will. So, Father, this morning, give his message, your special anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Papa. That was great. Appreciate you. Love you lots, Papa. All right. Well, is this on? Yeah, this is on back there. It's good to see you all this morning. Man, that's fun to get to see my dad this morning. Uh, if you had grown up in my house in East Texas, one of the things that I was known for around the house, among other things, was I asked a lot of questions. And as a uh, parent now, being the recipient of all these questions, I have special gratitude for my dad of all the many times that he would answer all my thousands and thousands of questions. And this actually grew into a hobby of mine growing up. And so I would, uh, as I got older, I started collecting question books. And so I even brought some that, I, that I've got from Half Price Books over the years. Here's conversation starters, parents of kids. I got the conversation piece. I've got the, you know, uh, opening lines, 458 great conversation starters on a date. And I would collect these, and then I would inflict them on my friends. So if you were a roommate of mine, uh, some of the people in the church today have lived with me at times or gone on road trips, I would bring these on road trips. Or sometimes, uh, last year, I asked the staff to make little question cubes for life groups. And so we would get together at our conference table or different or the den table, and we would just grab these. And it's amazing the answers that you don't expect when you ask a few good questions. Well, Jesus got asked a ton of questions, over 100 questions in his life. In fact, sometimes uh, people didn't ask the right question he was looking for, so he asked himself a question and then answered it. And I love that, that Jesus was always wanting to answer questions. And one of the most important questions he ever got asked is in Matthew 22, and I want to read that this morning. Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Back in September, Gary talked about in a series on the seven churches, the church at Ephesus. And that church had lost its first love. It had forgotten to love the Lord with all its heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think that's just an amazing place we need to start today. And I love that we start our service of the worship. We just get to pour out our love on God and just say, we love you, God. We want to obey that command well. But today I want to focus a little more on the second of those commandments, which Jesus just supplied. He didn't get asked what the second greatest commandment is. He just popped in there because he knew it was important that we knew what it was. In the New Testament, the command to love your neighbor as yourself is repeated over and over and over again. It's the most repeated verse of the Old Testament that we see in the New Testament. Paul repeats it twice. James repeats it. Jesus multiple times. And I want to make the obvious point that your neighbor always included the idea of proximity. And Jesus did expand that definition some in his parable of the Good Samaritan, but it always includes the idea of proximity. The closer I get to a person in proximity, the more I'm supposed to treat them as a neighbor and to love them. Now, I've heard this command my entire life. 
uh, from a very young child in East Texas. My dad moved us from Fairfax, Virginia when I was two weeks old to a little town called Mineola, Texas. And we lived in a house called Molly Lane. And I'll show you a picture of the house I grew up in. It's uh, 226 Molly Lane Street in Mineola. The town is a small town. We're talking 5,000 people. Um, it never, I, I always called it 5,000. It never reached 5,000. It's always like 4,700, 4,800. Always trying to get up to 5,000 people. And on one end of our street, there it is right there, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, if you went to the backyard, my dad built us a huge tree house. Uh, we had a basketball goal bounded onto the garage. I played like so much basketball back there. You hopped the fence, there was a creek we played in, a civic center back there, a park slides. All, now these, this wasn't the nice park. This was the metal park that burned your legs on the way down. You know, this was back before they had all these plastic parks they had today. Um, On one end of our street, we had a a fence, and we could see cows in a cow pasture back there. I remember riding my bike up the hill and thinking, I think my legs are going to fall off at the top of the hill. Um, It wasn't that far, but it just felt far when you're going uphill on a a bike. Going down the other end of our street, we had a Piggly Wiggly. So this is back before Walmart. This is back before Brookshire's. I drove my bike to Piggly Wiggly to get milk for mom. And this this was my growing up experience. And as I was looking back on this, uh, I, I heard this command all the time. I went to church. My, my parents brought us to church. Um, and this command to love our neighbor was very much in my brain. And I started thinking to myself, how many of my neighbors did I know on Molly Lane Street? And I started doing the Rolodex. And I, after thinking about it for a while, came up with two names. I knew the Griffiths next door a little bit. Um, they were an older couple, sweet. Whenever I kicked the soccer ball over the fence, I would be able to go back in there and their dog wouldn't bite me. It was, it was awesome. And then on the way down the end of the street, we had one neighbor for a while who I got tennis lessons from, the Anders. And I thought, okay, so I know two neighbors in the 19 years I lived there. And I thought, man, how many more neighbors lived around me that I never got to know their name? And I was sitting in a sermon at Grace a few years ago, and Pastor Steve, who I just loved seeing back on stage last week, man, uh, he preached a sermon where he said, it's hard to say we're loving our neighbor if we don't even know their name. And that just really resonated with me. And I, and I thought, why was it we were so resistant to learning the names of our neighbors? I can't remember a single time going into a neighbor's home. Uh, at one time, the Anders' home, maybe, but I can't remember any others. And why was it so resistant? Well, one of the things I think was just fear. We, we were very protective as a family. I was talking to my dad about this, and we just wanted to make sure our kids were protected. We didn't know where the people were in their spiritual walk, and that was one reason. Another was just initiative. Like, I don't remember the 19 years I lived in Mineola, anyone ever inviting us over for dinner or anyone really initiating with us. And, and I don't remember us doing a lot of that. And so I think it was just a lack of initiative. It was a little bit of fear. I mean, we were homeschooling back before homeschooling was popular. And back before it was kind of even known as legal. I remember growing up and my mom saying, okay, now you can't play in the front yard until 3 p.m. Because we don't want the neighbors to know that we're homeschooling. And so this was the kind of environment I grew up in. And if at this point it sounds like I'm being critical of the spirituality of the home I grew up in, I want to be careful there and honor my parents because they did a great job raising us to love the Lord. They taught us the Bible. They taught us these things. I think uh, it has become popular for younger generations and younger people to be critical of older generations' spirituality. And we need to be very careful of that because if you had asked my 19-year-old self how spiritual I was, I'd say, man, I'm passionate about the Lord. I'm excited about the Lord. I'm following the Bible. Um, not really following this verse real well personally, but I'm following the Bible real well. Um, but God gives us second chances. So I moved when I was 19 to Arlington, Texas, 
came to Grace Community Church the first week I was here, got invited by a friend, and I bought a house on England Road. So over by UTA, I had some roommates from the, the church come and live with me, and I lived on England Road for years and years and years. And I was thinking through about this sermon and about this whole idea of loving our neighbor. I thought to myself, how many neighbors did I get to know and love on England Road? And it just convicted me as I was thinking about this, that in my years at England Road, I learned the names of zero neighbors. I was like, man, what a missed opportunity in my life to get to know and to love neighbors. And I, and I was just resonating with that and realized, you know, I, I don't know if my spirituality was any greater than my family's growing up because I did worse than them on the score of zero to two. But God is a good God, and he gives us third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chances to do this well. And so now I've got a new neighborhood I'm in on Steeplechase Trail. I'm going to tell more stories about that in a minute. But I want you to pull out a handout I gave all you guys on the way in, or I hope you got on the way in. It's this big orange hangout, handout, and on the front of it, it says the word start. And that's where we want to do is we want to start at that part of the handout. And grab a pen from the seat back in front of you. We're going to do a little uh, interactive thing right now. And when I first did this, it turned out really badly. So I want you guys just to feel grace this morning. Uh, but I want you to start that little diamond. I was an engineering major. My parents helped contribute to that engineering degree. So, Dad, this is where it comes in handy right now. Decision trees. And I want you to answer the question, do you have at least eight physical neighbors? Because I've been to some of your houses out in the country. Some of you guys don't have eight physical neighbors within eyesight of your house. Some of you live on a street like me, and we got lots of neighbors on my street. So as you look at that, if you have eight physical neighbors, you slide over to the yes, and I want you to try and write down eight of your physical neighbors' names in the box below. I want you to start, start writing that down right now. If you got Now, when I did this the first time, I had guy with the blue truck. I had um, family who walks the two dogs. I mean, I did so badly at this. So if you are just trying, if that's where you're at, family with the two dogs, write family with the two dogs. We're going to start a low bar this morning. But if you know your neighbor's names, I want you to write those down. And then on the other side, some of you who don't have eight physical neighbors, I want you to write down the names of maybe a few. First, write down the names of the physical neighbors you have. And then add to that to get to eight work neighbors, school neighbors, or play neighbors. I want to make sure that we include those because those are people that we're in close proximity to. If you're in a college class and you're sitting next to the same person for a semester, they become your neighbor pretty fast. They're in proximity to you. So write down those eight names there. I think that is the first step to learning what it means to love our neighbor. It's just writing down their names. And once we start there, I would like to kind of just explore what biblically it looks like to love these eight people or these eight names we've just written on our sheet. I want to give credit right now to a book we mentioned before in here, this book by Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson called Bless. If you've not read this book, I really encourage you to read it over the holidays. Uh, there is one copy in the Resource Center, so whoever's fastest to leave today can go get that one for free. Uh, the rest of you can order it off Amazon, add it to your Christmas lifts. My family just got on Giftster, uh, so we're all able to share registries with each other. But it is a great and helpful book and what it looks like to love our neighbor. So one of the things that he has done is he takes this word BLESS as an acronym, and we have the word BLESS that we're going to spell on the front of church this morning that's going to show us what it looks like to love our neighbor. The first B of BLESS is this one, and it stands for Begin 
with prayer. B stands for begin with prayer. Why do we begin with prayer? Well, I love how Larry, during worship this morning, just reminded us the Lord modeled for us how to pray. And we want God's kingdom to come to our neighborhood. That's what we're praying for, is his will to be done on my street as it is in heaven. And he modeled this in many places. Uh, Matthew 5, 43 and 44 is another one that comes to my brain. Starts in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Well, we're talking about that this morning. That's good. And hate your enemy. Verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is saying part of loving someone is praying for them. We want to begin with prayer. Another huge reason that we need to pray for our neighbors by name is nothing spiritually significant will happen on your street with your neighbors unless God sparks it, unless God does it. Jesus said it this way in John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You cannot manufacture a move of God on your neighborhood with your personality and your chocolate chip cookies. You must start with prayer. Prayer is where this begins. And if God doesn't draw a person, he's never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit gets involved too. John, 8, John 16, verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. If the Holy Spirit does not do the work of conviction, showing and revealing that your neighbors are in need of a Savior, they will never be open to Jesus the Savior. So we need God to be involved in this process of reaching our neighbors. And I want you to realize the monumental size of the task. We get used to this because it's so common to see baptisms and salvations at Grace Community Church. We just forget how monumental a miracle it is for someone to come to faith. Matthew 19 says this in verse 24. This is Jesus talking. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, then who can be saved? I just want you to stop there just for a minute. And if you haven't seen a needle lately, it's really, really, really tiny. In fact, I have people in my life who will hand me the needle and say, would you thread this for me? Because I can't get the thread through it. It's so small. And Jesus said, it's easier to get that needle stretched, that eye stretched out and get it over a camel. It's easier to do that than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. See, compared to all the world, we are in a most prosperous generation in forever. I mean, even go back 200 years in America and think of what we have. It is amazing how prosperous and rich we are compared to the world today, compared to history today. We are rich, and therefore it is almost impossible for us to become believers And Jesus says this in verse 26 of the same chapter 19. And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So we need to ask, God, would you reveal yourself to my neighbors? Would you use me to spark spiritual conversations on my street? And the G-Hop at the front of the stage, uh, Gary's asked all of us to go in for an hour a week. And up at the front left, there's this place called DFW Revival, Praying for Our City. And I put up a poster this week called Bless Every Home. 
And it is a, uh, just a place where we can write down a post note, the names of our neighbors. I'm praying for mine this week. And I encourage you, if you're in the Jihad this week, write down the names of your eight and put them on that board. And let's just pray for them this week. Now, I want to mention an incredibly helpful tool. Uh, if you have that orange handout, you can flip it over for a second. And this is the Bless Every Home website and app. We've also talked about this before. If you haven't installed it yet, highly recommend this thing. It is free to you. And all you do is you install the app, sign up on the website at gracearlington.com bless. And every day, it's going to send you five of your neighbor's names and a verse to pray over them. And it's just going to do this every day until you tell it to stop, until you're tired of praying for your neighbors. It's every day it's going to pick five neighbors. You can decide, I have a real small neighborhood of 10 homes. You have a big neighborhood of 200 homes. You get to decide how big your neighborhood is. But it's going to just help you. And then if you go into the app, as you're walking around your street, you can see the houses. You can tap on them. It'll tell you who lives there. So you can say, hey, I want to go pray for this house. Two houses down. And it'll tell you, pray for Bob and Judy. And it will tell you that. Now, don't go walk up to the house and say, I've been praying for you, and I learned your name from this app. That would be awkward. No, you just say, hey, I'm Jonathan. What's your name? Glad you're here. But what a wonderful tool to pray by name for our neighbors. So I definitely say take advantage of that Bless Every Home app today. One other thing one of my friends did that is just a, a delight is he put up something that somebody in our, our church put up. His name is Bill Bernardi, and he created the prayer post. So this is another idea if you want to pray for your neighbors is you put this post in the front yard. You can see a, a picture of one of my friend AJ's he's got in his front yard. I said, do people still like ask you to pray for them? He said, oh yeah, all the time. And so you, you drop, uh, you just have this in your front yard. As people walk by, they fill out a little prayer request put in there. And I've heard like Amazon drivers put in prayer requests, neighbors put in prayer requests. And it's just another way to prompt people to pray for their neighbors. Say, hey, I'm a Christian. I live here and I believe that God answers prayers. So I just want to start today by saying we need to start with begin with prayer. The second letter that we're going to have to go quickly through is the big L. So after we've been praying for our neighbors for a little bit, we've been praying every day for them uh, by name. It only takes a couple minutes to pray for them on the drive time during your time with the Lord. The next thing we want to do is we want to do L, which stands for listen to them. James 1.19 says, You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, now, everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Being quick to listen to our neighbors without judging them is one of the most beautiful ways to love our neighbors. Say, man, how are you doing? How is your life going right now? How can I pray for you? How can I just listen to what's going on? I mean, we have a lot of change happening. I remember back in February, we had the ice storm up here, and it was a crazy season. And being able to walk and talk to some of my neighbors and say, man, have you got what you need? What a great thing for people to feel heard and noticed on our, in our neighborhood. Now, some of the questions, you could get a whole question book, but I don't think most neighbors are up for 430 questions. So I just want to give you my top couple that I ask people when I meet them for the first time. Of course, I say, man, can you introduce me to your family? You know, do you have family in the area? You know, I ask, how did you come to our street? Where'd you come from? What brought you to Arlington, Texas? What do you do for work? You know, what, what did you do for if you're retired? What jobs have you had in your life? It's always interesting to find out what people have chosen to do for careers. This is one of my favorites. What do you enjoy for fun? You know, Jonathan, he, he, he reads question books. That's a weird hobby. We need to pray for him. He has a better hobby. We got to work on that. Now, what do you do for fun? You want to listen and find out what your neighbor's hobbies are. And how can I pray for you? 
simple thing that works almost with anybody in Arlington, Texas. How can I pray for you? And many people will give us surprising answers to those questions. So as you think about the eight names on your list, how many of them have you spent time with getting to the L stage? We, we prayed for them. How many of them have you heard anything about their story? Heard what their hobbies are? Heard what brought them to the area? For many, this would be a great next step in loving your neighbors is just finding time to ask them a couple questions, just listening. But we don't want to forget the next letter because it's my um, almost my all-time favorite of all time, man. This is the big E. And the big E stands for eat. So what I'm going to be doing after the second service today, I'm going to go find some food and I'm going to eat. And, and why do we eat? Well, Jesus was eating all the time. I don't know if it's because he had a high metabolism or they didn't give him like a car, so he was walking everywhere. I mean, by 11 a.m., I think he had completed all his rings on his watch. I think this man, he needed some calories. So if you look in the Bible, he is always going to receptions and eating feasts and eating meals. All the time he is eating. I just want to share one story that I just loved that Jesus did. This is the resurrected Jesus. So he had died. He had been resurrected. He was appearing to his followers at different moments and times. In John 21, starting in verse 9, Jesus had called out to his disciples on a boat, and he's on the beach. And he says this, So when they got out on the land, that's his disciples, the disciples saw a charcoal fire already made and fish placed on it and bread. And then in verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. So what does the resurrected Jesus do in his time before he ascends to heaven? He makes his disciples breakfast. Let's, let's have a meal. Let's eat together. Let me serve you by giving you some food that I personally made for you today. I love that. I love that Jesus wanted to fellowship with his disciples, the people that he loved. So my question is, if you think about the eight neighbors that we wrote down, how many of them have you shared a meal with or a Starbucks with? How many of them have you been in their home? How many of them have been in your home? How many of them would be willing to come over to have barbecue if you invited them? Or maybe how many of them would be willing to come to the men's cookout if you invited them? Share a meal with some of your church friends. Man, eating together is a wonderful opportunity to show love and to get a chance to really listen to one another. The next letter, the BLESS acronym. We've got two more letters here. This one is S. S. And it stands for serve. That's, and this is an important one because Jesus modeled this to us. He was always serving. Matthew 20, 28 says this about Jesus. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Serving is simply looking for a way to show your neighbors you care by serving for them in some way. It could be as small as grabbing an Amazon package off their front porch because they're out of town, maybe mowing something for them could be huge, like picking the couch up and going up three flights of stairs. That's a big serve request. I've been asked multiple times to help with the couch up to the third flight apartment. So there's many different volumes of service. But I think the question is, how do we love people? We serve them. Helping them rake leaves, helping them bring a meal. This is how we serve our neighbors. And the final S in the story of loving our neighbors, the final S of the BLESS acronym
Do you want to share your story? And I'm not going to have much time to, to focus on that. Gary's going to bring us back in a few weeks and talk more about that. But when the time is right, when your neighbors have felt listened to, felt prayed for, when they've eaten some of your food, when you've served them, when the time is right and you've earned relational credibility in their life to speak to them, we got to share our story. we got to share about this Jesus who has done so much for us, who has given us so much. And we just, it just naturally flows out. Like, man, can I just tell you about this Jesus person because he will change your life for the good. Now, I want to finish today with just sharing a little bit of how God's given me a third swing at that before I strike out in this command that Jesus said is so important to him. See, this third swing came when I moved to Chase Trail, and I lived there for a while, and it was kind of doing the same thing I had done on other streets, was kind of be busy with life, busy with friends, busy with church stuff, not really focused on my neighbors. I mean, I, I mowed my lawn so they wouldn't yell at me, but I mean, not really doing much there. But in February this year, I really felt committed. I want to do more, and I installed the Bless Every Home app, and I started praying daily for my neighbors. So February, I start praying for them, and I start saying, Lord, I want to see you reach my street. Well, in May, there was a signs up all the neighborhood. I live in an HOA, and a signs that say, hey, there's a neighborhood meeting where people, neighbors are going to gather in one place. I thought, I should go be where the people are that I'm praying for. So I show up at the HOA meeting, and I'm sitting there, and uh, long story short, I get appointed onto the HOA board. And that was an accident. I was not intending. I was going there just to listen. But they said, hey, would someone be willing to serve because we, this guy wants to quit? And I said, well, part of the BLESS acronym is serve. So I raised my hand, and, and they said, why do you want to serve? And so I got to go up in front of everybody with a microphone and say, hey, I'm a pastor, and I've just been praying for this neighborhood, and I want to serve in some way. And so that's why I raised my hand. I thought it was a simple way to help. So uh, starting in May, um, I joined the HOA board, and I started having an excuse to go around to my neighbors and talk to them and pray for them, and help with problems that they're experiencing in the neighborhood. In August, I um, got appointed president of the HOA board. <laughs> so I did this. I'm like, this is really frightening um, that I am the president. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. There's no training manual for this thing. Um, but I'm just saying, Lord, would you somehow open up doors? And he has opened up now every door in the HOA neighborhood. In fact, um, at one of our recent meetings together, we were like, how can we really help people? So we created these packets, and inside this packet is a neighborhood directory. We kind of went around the neighborhood and said, hey, we want to let everyone share if they want to. It's optional. What your phone number is, what your address is, what your email is, and what's your profession. You want to share with people, you're a plumber, you're a whatever. And so um, we made these all up for everybody, and we're going to be delivering them this week. And I thought, well, we can mail these all out, but it's going to be 600 bucks in postage if we mail all this. So why don't we just go door to door? And so I'm going to go door-to-door -door this week with some of my other friends in the HOA, and I've got other Christians on the board, and we're going to use this as a reason to knock on doors and say, hey, we brought your neighborhood directory by, and how can I pray for you this Thanksgiving? And I thought, what a great way to help serve and also get a chance to see if God wants to spark any conversations in my neighborhood. I've got a neighbor on one side of the street who, a couple months ago, uh, he shared with me that he had a brain bleed and was really suffering. We're like, Lord, would you spare his life? Would you, would you save this man? Um, but just a simple thing, he said, hey, would you help me? I can't get down to this area to mow. I was like, man, I got it. So I mowed his lawn for a little bit. Another neighbor down my street, um, through getting to know some people, uh, I was texting with them, and they, uh, their grandfather passed away. So I texted my daughter and said, hey, would you make up some of your world-famous chocolate chip cookies, and we're going to drop them by because this is a family that's grieving this week. 
Another one is, man, if you ever see a moving truck on your street, that is a gold mine for service because if you've ever moved, there's nothing more tiring in the world than moving. I mean, I just feel like passing out just thinking about moving. I told my wife we are never moving ever again. Like, I don't care what happens, we are never moving because it is so tiring. So if you ever see a moving truck where people are moving in, man, what a great time to say, hey, can I help you? Can I just welcome you? Can I drop off a meal for you? Can I just say, man, welcome to the neighborhood? There's so many opportunities that happen, so many doors that God opens if we just begin to pray. I think one of the funniest stories in the New Testament is you've got this group of believers that are praying for Peter to get out of prison. And as they're praying for him, God answers their prayer. He gets released from prison, knocks on the door, and this girl says, Peter's there. And they say, oh, God doesn't answer that way. God doesn't do that kind of thing. That must be something else. I thought, what a classic moment. You know, if you guys will embark on this journey with me and you will commit to pray, do not be surprised if God will open up big doors quickly where all of a sudden doors you thought would never open in your neighborhood, on your street, with your classmates are wide open just because we prayed and God opened them for us. So that's what my exhortation is for us all today. Going into Thanksgiving, going into the holidays, is first join me in praying for our neighbors. Then asking for God to open up doors for us to listen to them and, and maybe even eat with them. Maybe even drop off some food, maybe inviting them over for dinner. Looking for opportunities to serve them. You know, if you see a neighbor putting up Christmas lights and it looks like a, a stupid ladder trick, as my father-in-law would often say, you might say, hey, can I hold that for you to keep you from dying? You know, just might, might say, can I just come and help you, serve you just for a minute? And then finally, man, if the opportunity presents itself and there's a massive open door where someone says, man, tell me, why is it that you are so different? Why is it there seems to be hope in you when everyone else in the world is despairing? Then be willing to share about why you have peace during these holidays when no one else does. And that's my encouragement to us today. So if you guys will stand with me, I just would love for us to pray for our neighbors in Arlington, Texas. Pray for our neighborhoods, that God would spark revival and use us as ambassadors of his to do it. Would you guys, uh, before I pray for us, I do just want to remind you, uh, one way to love your neighbor is the blood drive across the street. So if you guys want to donate blood, that's a, that's a wonderful meeting of need to neighbors we don't know their names of. Also, if you're brand new this morning, I just would love to say hi to you. So I'm gonna be over here in the welcome area. I've got a gift for you over there. You can meet me over there. I'd love to just meet you today. And uh, so let's just all bow our heads and pray. God, we know you deeply care for the people in Arlington, Texas. You, you care for the lost on my street of steeplechase. You care for the lost of every street that people live on in this room. And I just pray that this would be a season of open doors. I pray that there would be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that you would open up to us and that we would be willing to walk through for the sake of fulfilling this great commandment to love our neighbor. I thank you for giving me a chance to do it better this time around. And I pray that you would keep me focused on loving my neighbor, that I'd be a conduit of the love you have shown me and it would be reflected to everyone that I'm around. And I pray that for every single person at Grace Community Church, you now fill them up with your love that they'd be able to reflect it to every one of their neighbors during the rest of 2021. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. You're dismissed.